Welcome to the Dear Young Preacher Mentoring Talk Podcast, a ministry of the Dear Young Preacher Mentoring Group with yours truly, Dr. James T. Worthy. Join me now for the next few moments for a time of education, inspiration, empowerment, and encouragement as we seek to help the next generation of proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ for his glory and for his praise. As we are continuing... Uh, in our talks of reflecting on 30 years of ministry. This coming Sunday uh, will make 30 years. It was 30 years ago on the fourth Sunday uh, in November uh, that the Lord blessed and allowed me to stand and deliver my initial sermon. And I've often said to folks uh, that you really can't even say trial sermon. You know, the old church said trial sermon. You really can't say trial sermon, because the truth be told, (laughs) uh, every sermon you're on trial, and that's the gospel truth. Every sermon you are on trial. And so I have just really taken the time to reflect and think about uh, some of the things I have learned, some of the lessons I've learned, some of the encounters I have had over the last 30 years. And so these last few uh, Dear Young Preacher Monday Night Mentoring Talks on Facebook Live I'm using to just really reflect. And in the process of reflecting, I want to take some time with hopes of being able to help somebody along the way. So, of course, you know, we've entitled these talks uh, Lessons to My Younger Preacher. Um, If I could talk to the preacher 30 years ago, what would I say to that younger preacher? And so tonight I'm really going, shall we say, going deep tonight uh, because the question was presented to me. Um, as I was preparing, I reached out to members of DYP Nation, give me some questions, give me some things to work with. The question was presented to me, in the last 30 years of ministry, do you have any regrets? Are there any regrets that you have for ministry? And I will be the very first person to tell you in all honesty and all sincerity, yes, I have regrets. But if I could offer some counsel and some direction to you, what I have learned over the course of my years in ministry is to take the regrets and not so much as look at them from the negative sense, but to look at the regrets and see what are the lessons that you can learn? What are the benefits? What are some of the things that you can look back at it and say it was painful, but it was necessary? What are those moments in life over the last 30 years of ministry that I can say it was bitter, but it made me better? Uh, and that's really where I want to go tonight. That's, that's really the direction I wanted to go. I've spent some time thinking about this and really looking at it and looking back over the last 30 years of ministry that God has given to me to share the gospel. And I want to share a few of them with you. And what I want to do is not only share with you the regret but I also want to tell you some of the lessons that I learned from the regret uh, with hopes of offering some guidance. And if I should say some advice and direction to the next generation of preachers based on what I've been through. One of the biggest regrets I can honestly say that I have over the last 30 years, uh, one of the biggest regrets I have is a lot of the family time that I missed. I mean, and believe it or not, that's one of the big ones. A lot of the family time that I missed out on. And I, and when I say that, when I say 
family time, what I'm really talking about are some of those moments that I really had some control over the time because I realize in ministry, everything we don't have control over, some things happen and you just have to roll with it. But there are some moments that I really had some control. There were some moments in ministry that I really was trying to seek uh, notoriety. And so I went and I did and I traveled and I did those sort of things. And in the process of that, I missed out on a whole lot of family time. Um, Really in a real sense, my daughter, uh, who will soon be 27, uh, really I missed out on a great deal of her, her toddler days and her younger days because I was busy between pastoring um, at that time, I was a bivocational pastor because in addition to pastoring, I was also working. So basically, I was in a situation that I would get up most mornings uh, between 530 and six in the morning, having to be at work at least by 637 uh, and get off from work about two somewhere anywhere between two to three o'clock in the afternoons. And then I would leave. And most times I would either run right in the house, grab a bite back out the door on my way to church, onto a service, or I was just, you know, here, there, and everywhere. And so I regret a lot of it. You know, I regret that I missed so much of my daughter's growing up days. Um, now that she is a young woman in her own life, and we talk about that a lot, about some of the things that we that I missed out on. But I can tell you this, this is the lesson that it taught me. The lesson that regret taught me was it gave me the strength to learn how to say no. And if I could offer any encouragement to young preachers from my experiences, please make sure that you never forget what the first ministry is. The first ministry is family. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that if we cannot take care of our own houses, we are not able to take care of the house of God. So you've got to make sure that you learn how to say no. Learn learn how to say no. Find that balance in learning how to say no. You have often heard me say over the course of our times together, that there will be times that you'll want to go, but you can't go because the family is the first ministry. You've got to make sure that you make time. You've got to make time for your family because your children will grow up before your very eyes and you will miss it. You've got to find the strength to have some balance. Have balance. Balance your time. And I can tell you now 30 years into ministry, this is still an area that I am still working on. I'm still working on trying to find proper balance. Of course, the balance has shifted now because my girls are grown and gone <laughs> and uh, they are they are in their own stage of maturity and, and living lives for themselves. But even in that, I have to make sure that I've got proper balance, making sure that we spend time with family. I've got to make sure that the wife has time. I've got to make sure that I have time because self-care is important. But then at the same time, I've got to also make sure that I keep ministry before me. And when I say ministry, please hear what I'm about to say. There are some things that we call ministry, but are actually being done to portray ministry. A couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation 
um, with a pastor slash therapist. And he said that he had been married in his previous marriage. And after 20 some years of marriage, he fell into a situation where basically because of ministry, his marriage started going to the left. And he said he found himself blaming God. He found himself really asking God, why did you allow this to happen? I've been serving you. I've been preaching. I've been traveling. I've done this. I've done that. You know, he talked about being most times being the first person at the church and often the last person to leave. Oftentimes family having to come in two separate cars. Uh, He would go early. Family would come later. He said, and all of that began to amount to a point that he lost his family and he began to question God as to why that happened. And he said, God said ever so clearly to him, there was a lot of stuff you did that I did not tell you to do. There's a lot of stuff that you did that you called ministry that I did not tell you to do. So you have to be able to find that balance, find the strength to say no. I have often said this to young preachers and young pastors, especially with young children. You're going to have to be able to find the strength to be able to say there are some places I cannot go. There are some services I cannot attend because I've got to make sure I make time for family. I've got to make time for myself. You know, I I posted on Facebook earlier today that for me, Monday is Pastor Sabbath. After ministering on Sunday and and sometimes two and three times uh, during normal seasons, Monday, my body needs time to recoup and revive from a busy Sunday. But it's all about finding that balance, having the balance. That's one of the the biggest regrets uh, that I have in ministry. Um, Probably the second biggest regret that I have And this is a big one that I really want to spend some time with, with those of us in ministry. One of the second biggest regrets I have in the last 30 years is some of my earlier years, I wasted so much time trying to defend my call. I want to say that again. I wasted so much time in the early years trying to defend my call. Let me say this to somebody, and I and I really want to speak particularly to the heart of my sisters who are in ministry. Hear my heart here for a moment. If God truly called us and God truly commissioned us and God truly authorizes us, we never have to worry about the negativity of naysayers. If God truly called you, You never have to worry about the negativity because if there's one thing that I can tell you from experience 30 years later, I realize, and I've come to terms with the fact that everybody does not care for my preaching. Everybody does not care for my ministry style. Everybody does not care for how I attempt to rightly divide the word. Some of them don't like it because, can I be honest? Truth hurts. But the thing that I have to remember is, always remember it it was not people who called you. And you can get caught up 
in wanting the approval of people. You can get caught up wanting the praise of people that you miss out on the approval of God. Can I, can, if, if I can be straightforward with you, if there's a lesson that it has taken me 30 years to learn, the lesson that it has taken me 30 years to learn is this. If I can touch one life for the glory of God, if I can help one person make a decision for Jesus Christ, if I can help one person through the preaching and teaching of the gospel get closer to God, then I believe in my heart of hearts, I have done what God has told me to do. I believe that God is glorified and I can prove that in scripture in about 60 seconds or less. I can prove that in scripture. If you think about the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, when Philip walks up and finds this eunuch sitting in a chariot, reading the prophets, and he walks up and asks him, do you understand what you read? And the eunuch replies, how can I understand except somebody teach me? And the Bible says that Philip got into the chariot with this eunuch and began to teach him the scriptures and began to bring scripture to life to him. So much so that when he finished ministering, the eunuch looked at him and said, what is stopping me from being baptized? If I can help one person make a commitment or a decision for Christ, guess what? That one yes is so much more important, get ready, than a hundred no's. I got proof of that one in scripture too. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one that cries out repentance rather than 99 who are already saved. What's my point? Here's the lesson that I've learned. The lesson I learned is if I can focus my energy and my time and my God-given ability to minister to one and that one receives Christ, guess what? God will deal with the 99. As a matter of fact, he told me that there will come a time that a shepherd will have to corral the rest of the sheep and go after that one. So I have learned, I've learned to stop trying to defend my call. Stop trying to prove to folk that God called you. If you really want to prove that God called you, here's a simple way to prove it. You want to prove God called you? Preach. Cry loud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a mighty trumpet. Tell it as Paul told Timothy when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. Preach when they laugh at you. Preach when they talk about you. Preach when they smile in your face and then talk about you behind your back like a low down dirty dog. Tell the gospel truth. Preach it if they get mad at you. Preach it if they never invite you back. Preach it if they don't give you what you think you deserve in an honorarium. Prove your calling. Make your calling and your election sure by simply preaching the gospel. And can I tell you this? Because this is another lesson that I had to learn the hard way. Don't use the pulpit as a battleground. Don't use the pulpit as an opportunity to tell folk off. 
Don't use the pulpit as an opportunity to belittle and demean folks. In other words, simply put, if you got a problem with somebody, handle that away from the pulpit. And then when you stand in the pulpit, here it is, let the word do the work. You don't defend your call. You don't have to defend something that you had no, no act in. You allow God to work through you. I often tell people, and this is the truth, I view ministry as the fact that I am a mailman. And you think about this. A mailman is going to deliver the mail no matter what the weather. The mailman encounters dogs who don't know him, but they're going to come barking and some are going to attack. The mailman encounters people who often have negative attitudes because of something the last mailman did. The mailman encounters folks who are mad because of the mail that he is delivering. But here's the thing that you better catch. That mailman is bound by the U.S. Postal Code to do one thing, and that is deliver the mail. To every preacher, I want to tell you, you don't have to defend the fact that you are one of God's mailmen. You'll let it be known by how you simply deliver the mail. Let the dogs bark. Let them seek to attack you. Let them seek to talk about you. Let them seek to take their frustrations out on you. Let them get mad at you because of the mail that you delivered. But guess what? It doesn't change who you are. If God called you, you don't have to defend it. God said, I'll do it for you. Another regret that I have with ministry, another regret. Y'all forgive me for getting on that tangent. Another, <laughs> another, another regret that I have uh, when it relates to ministry uh, is, is I regret in my earlier years that I went into a season where I spent more time trusting people than I did trusting God. I went through a time of, 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 of where I put my trust in people without telling too much. I went through a very dark season uh, in, in my time of pastoring. I went through a very dark, dark season um, very, very early in ministry in the early 2000s. I went through a very dark moment because people that I had served and people that I had tried to minister to, I had tried to take them from one place to another, and they turned on me. They really did. They turned on me. They sought to destroy my character. They, they sought to really damage my name. And for a season, it hurt. I, I'm going to be very honest. It hurt. It, it really hurt because I was giving my all, and here I was, you know, in some cases, really trying to hold them together push them forward. Uh, some cases, some weeks preaching without money um, because really in a real sense, there was not enough in the offering to do what needed to be done. I sought to make sure that the church was taken care of. And it came back to haunt me. It came back to haunt me. For those of you who have read my book, my latest book, Learning From Your Losses, uh, I allude to a lot of that in the book of some of the darkest moments of my life. And it was only because I put my trust in people. I trusted people. I, I went through it, came through it. And, and when God, and I put it this way, when God brought me out of it, 
I came out of that situation, went into another situation. And again, I went in trusting people, you know, attempting to serve God's people. And I'll be the first to tell you in that season of attempting to serve God's people, jealousy rose its head. And it's sad because the jealousy did not come from the pastor. The jealousy came from another direction. And sad but true, when that jealousy rose up, some of the people that I really gave my heart to and I poured my heart out to, it came back to haunt me. Literally, it came back to haunt me. Uh, So much so that I can tell you now that I thank God that, that since that time, we have been able to reconcile and we've been able to move forward and heal from that situation. But the reality of it is it hurt when it hurt, when you're really doing all that you can. If you've never been there, keep living. There will come a time that you do the best you can. You're serving, you're giving. And in giving your heart to people, and then they turn around and step on your heart. Can I tell you the lesson that I learned from it? because today I'm better for it. Here's the lesson that I learned. The lesson that I learned from that was that I had to never forget, and I'm gonna add something, always remember and never forget who called you. If God called you to this ministry, don't ever forget it. Don't ever lose sight of who called you. Because reality of it is, is that if man called you, man will have to direct you every step of the way. I take you back to Sunday, November 24th of 1991 in a full to capacity house of Parkwood CME Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Anybody who lives in the Queen City, if you remember the old Parkwood Church before they they built uh, on the backside of Hidden Valley, they were located um, right on Parkwood Avenue in North Charlotte, um, their, their old building was a huge facility. Um, facility sat easily between five and 600 people. I'll never forget that in Sunday night, 30 years ago. As my father introduced me for the first time as a preacher of the gospel, I'll never forget these words. He said that night, when it comes to his calling, I had nothing to do with it. He said, because if I had called him, I would have to tell him what to preach, when to preach, where to preach, how to preach. He said, but since God called him, if he will depend on God, God will take him and show him everything he needs to do. And I had a season in my life where I really fell prey to people. You got to remember, please preachers, hear my heart tonight. And understand that there will be some that will celebrate you one week and they will seek to condemn you the next. They will shout Hosanna one Sunday and shout crucify him the next. But when that happens, never forget who called you. Never forget who commissions you. If I can be open with you, Never forget whose word you're preaching. And if you can trust him to show you which way to go, he will give you, watch what I'm about to say, a gift called discernment. 
He will give you a gift called discernment. He will allow you to see who's really in your life because they care versus those who are in your life trying to get something out of you. When you really have that gift, and I, and I want to stop right here, and I just want to encourage every preacher of the gospel, hear me now. I want to encourage you to please, starting tonight, starting today, and for the rest of your life, every day, ask God to strengthen your ability to discern. Because sometimes you can get hooked up with people who talk a good talk, but they aren't after anything. You will hook up with people who will portray they want the best for you, but what they really want to do is rob you of your gifting. Ask God to give you a gift of discernment. I'll never forget, I heard Bishop Neil Ellis preach this uh, one time he was in Charlotte preaching, and I'll never forget I heard Bishop Ellis say this to a group of pastors. He said to every one of us in that room, you need to spend some alone time with God. He said, do what you have to do to spend some alone time. If you got to send your wife out shopping, if you got to send your children for a play date, whatever you need to do, spend some alone time with God. And he said, in that alone time, ask God to strengthen your gift of discernment to help you to see what is from him and what came from hell. And Bishop Ellis said that everything that God shows you that came from hell, ask God to give you the power to send that back to hell where it came from. I want to encourage you to ask God to strengthen your discernment, your discernment to not only see people, but to hear God, your discernment, not only to know what your calling and your assignment is, but even the more to know what the opposition is and then give you strength to overcome it. But there's one more regret that I want to share with you tonight that I have after 30 years of preaching the gospel. And it is one today that now that I've gotten to where I am, I'm a little, I am truly grateful. I'm not say a little grateful. I'm truly grateful for the lesson I learned from this. Finally, the biggest regret that I have is that I did not learn early the importance of self-investment the importance of self-investment. When I look at what I'm beginning to see, and please, I want to encourage a young preacher here. I want to encourage you to really invest in yourself and your growth, in your strength in ministry. Before you spend money on investments, trying to look good for people, I want to encourage you to spend time and invest in building your knowledge and your understanding of scripture so that you might be found sharing the truth. One of the things that I, I, I must say, and I regret this, especially being the son of a pastor, one of the things that I regret 
is that I did not see early the importance of investing in good study material, in investing in, in books, investing in training sessions. You know, truth be told, and this is the truth, and, and this is no lie. This is the gospel truth. The night I preached my initial sermon, the offering was given to me that night as a token from my home church. Let me tell y'all what I did with that offering. I took that offering and went and bought a Murphy robe. (laughs) Now, anybody who knows anything about Murphy robes back in that day, back in the early 90s, Murphy robes were hot. They were heavy. But to me, it made me look more like a preacher. Because I had that heavy black Murphy robe on. I cannot tell you 30 years later, this is comical, but this is the truth. 30 years later, I have about six of those Murphy robes and I don't like to wear any of them. (laughs) I I have, I have about, I have about five or six, maybe seven of them now, uh, seven Murphy robes. And I do not like to wear any of them. They are heavy. They are hot. You know, I have a black one. I have a white one. I have a full black with my academia bars on it. They are hot. They are heavy. I wear them out of respect of other places that I go because that is the order of the house. But if I had my preference, you know, this is me, you know, I I would rather and I should have taken that money and, and bought a study Bible or perhaps bought a, a good commentary or, or a set of commentaries. I'm trying to help us. I'm trying to encourage young preachers. When you are given the opportunity to preach, don't blow every dime on suits and shoes, trying to look good for people. And then when it's time to stand up and declare the word, you have nothing to say. I would rather, and this is me after 30 years, I would rather have somebody stand before me in jeans and T-shirt that has laid before the Lord and has taken time to give proper exegesis of a text and can preach and teach that word with simplicity and with power than I would be impressed by a four, five, six, seven hundred dollar rope. That that's invest in yourself. Investing in yourself simply means, and this is this is something I have never talked about on a DYP talk, but I want to share it with preachers tonight. This is the time for you to invest in making sure that you have what you need to set a financial security for your family and for yourselves. If you don't have life insurance, get it. You're going to need some medical insurance because there are going to be some times that you're going to overexert yourself and are going to require medical treatment. Make sure you have it. Make make sure, and this is another thing, when you receive those honorariums, consider saving them up, laying them aside. You don't have to spend every dime that you have. Save some. Save some. Lay some aside. This I, I, I teach the, the 80-10-10 rule as a good steward. Take 80% to take care 
of your personal, your household, your family expenses. Give 10% to God and then save 10% because trust me, a rainy day is coming. A tight moment is coming. You've got to be able to take care of yourself. You've got to be able to invest in yourself. You know, if, if I can talk on a personal note, at least once a year, my wife and I take a trip somewhere and we go places, we talk about it and we decide where we're going to go. And people have asked, how do you do this? How do you make this happen? I had one person to tell me flat out, you must be rich. No, mm -mm. I work hard. <laughs> I work hard. But the reality of it is, is that what we do is we let it, we come together, we set it aside, and then we work toward it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can't have the robes. I'm not saying you can't buy the nice clothes, but exercise some wisdom, especially if you are a young preacher with young children. Have some wisdom because you will spend five and $600 on a robe and, and, and in the meantime, your children are going to be growing faster than you can keep up. So, so have some wisdom. One of the things that I regret early is that I did not invest more in me. It took me a few years. And I'll be honest with you, pastoring forced me to invest in myself. Because daddy always taught me, don't stand up there and just say anything. Spend time in study. For those of you who have ever been in my office at, at St. James Church, if you've ever stepped into my office at St. James Church, you will know that one wall of my office is nothing but books. And I'll be honest with you, that's not even half of them. And people have asked me, have you read every book? And I'm like, every book on that shelf, I've laid my hands on. If I haven't read the whole book, I have pulled portions and have read portions and have studied portions. There are times now, even to this day, that I go back and revisit books that I have read. What, what am I saying to you? Feed your mind. Feed your spirit. Don't let preaching time be the only study time that you have. Don't let the time that you have to share the word force you to study. Let it be found in other moments too. I can tell you that there are so many other big and little regrets that I have as it relates to ministry over the last 30 years. There are so many. But what I want to encourage you with tonight is to take those hard moments, take those mistakes, take those failures, take those times that you didn't meet the mark and don't focus so much on those, but seek to find the lesson in it for you. Seek to find the area that you can look back and say, I'm stronger, I'm wiser, and I'm better because of this. And I can tell you that when you do that, mm, you will really go and press toward the greatest mark of your life. And that's the call to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Do I have regrets? Yeah. But I can tell you today that my regrets, I have chosen to not allow them to make me bitter, but I'm going to use them to make me better. 